Welcome everyone to a new episode of FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm your host, Aaron White, and I'm excited to bring you two new reviews this week. Here on FF Plus, the format is pretty straightforward. I'll cover what I liked, what I didn't like, and then give you a recommendation about whether I think the film is worth your time and money. That's it. Simple, short, and spoiler-free. To start off with, for this episode, we have Catwoman Hunted, a new film from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment and DC Animation. It stars the voice work of Stephanie Beatrice, Lauren Cohan, Kelly Hu, Jonathan Banks, Keith David, Elizabeth Gillies, Kirby Howell-Baptiste, Jonathan Frakes, Jacqueline Obradors, Steve Bloom, Ron Yoon, Zara Fazal, Andrew Cashino, and Eric Lopez. It is directed by Shinsuke Terasawa, and it is written by Greg Wiseman. What's it about? Catwoman's attempt to steal a priceless jewel puts her squarely in the crosshairs of a powerful consortium of villains, Interpol, and Batwoman. So I'll say this right off the bat, I very much enjoyed the opening credits for this animated film. It is backed by this jazzy score, and the credits are very colorful and kind of artsy in a way that was very reminiscent of the Cowboy Bebop opening intro. And I think that that is clearly intentional because this is a film that was made in Japan, has a Japanese director, and was trying to be anime-infused with its style of animation. And so I think that that is a perfect reference point for what you can expect And the tone that that set was really perfect for the kind of film that we are going to get and the story that is going to be told in Catwoman Hunted. Throughout the film, that lively score that started off jazzy will kind of transition at times into a more electronic sound. Sometimes it feels very experimental, but it's always upbeat and kind of propulsive. There is a lot of action in this movie, and it's really good action. Selena starts this film off by infiltrating a costume party to perform this jewel heist, and she's stealing it from a bunch of big bad villains. She uses her friendly feline companion Isis. She uses fun gadgets and technology that, of course, are cat-shaped, cat-related, and starts off this chain of events, right? Where you're going to see her on a globetrotting adventure. Eventually, Batwoman is going to come into the story as well, along with Interpol, in order to help kind of undo and fix the thing that has happened by Catwoman doing this jewel heist. And we are going to bounce from location to location having big bombastic fight against villain after big bombastic fight against villain. There is this consortium called Leviathan, which has many villains itself, but there's also the League of Shadows in this film that come into play. And so there's a whole slew of rogues for both Catwoman individually and then Catwoman and Batwoman as a group to fight against. The action's frequent, it's kinetic, it's really well animated, You can again tell that anime was what they were going for because (laughs) the way that characters fight and the things that are so exaggerated, like there's mechs, you wouldn't expect that in a DC animated film. It's kind of like the anime 
version of what we know as our DC animated film characters, but it works really well. It's not over the top. They still are very familiar. And I really enjoyed it. There's a great car chase. The action is awesome. And it's a very short film. You know, it comes in. I don't remember what exactly it is, but usually I think these are under 80 minutes-ish. And so it moves super quickly and you are done before you know it. You're engaged the whole time, which I thoroughly enjoy about the best DC animated movies. Liz Gillies is the voice actress for Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. She is fantastic. She does outstanding work in this role. She's a perfect match for the animation. She does a lot of self-talking at times. And I particularly liked that where she's kind of narrating things for the audience because she's by herself. The way in which she banters with Kate, a.k.a. Batwoman, is also a lot of fun. There's almost every aspect of the Catwoman character on display here. So her wittiness, her intelligence, her athletic ability, her manipulation skills, and her seduction skills. All of this comes into play in this story, and it's really, really cool. The way that she moves from location to location, kind of working through these events has a feel of like a, a Lupin the Third. If you've ever heard of that character, there's an anime, long running anime series for this character and a recent movie that's really good as well. And it, it's very reminiscent of that. But of course, it's it's our Catwoman. Uh, it's just the way that the style of this film feels maybe somewhat mirrored after how that series handles a jewel heist or, or a jewel thief that is sort of an anti-hero of sorts because Catwoman's really not a villain she's she kind of she called a villain but she's in that middle ground right where it's all about self-preservation it's all about her selfish nature and what she feels is her moral right it may not align with what a traditional hero may see as right but she's going to stick with what she thinks it is also not devoid of tension it will ramp up towards the end of this film to the point where there are some genuine stakes and i thought that it did a really good job of doing that and then there are not a lot of surprises it's a pretty slight plot i almost put this in the dislikes but honestly it's not a problem the film does eventually have a little bit of surprise here and there specifically at the end where we kind of find out the reasoning behind all of these events from catwoman's perspective and it's like an aha moment. And it's handled pretty subtly, which I appreciate it as well. It's not like in your face, haha, wink, wink. It's just kind of revealed and we move on and wrap up the story well. In the dislike section, I don't have a lot to talk about here. Really, honestly, the only thing I didn't care for is maybe the slight plot. There's a level that this can't reach for me because it's not that deep of a character analysis even though we get to see all the aspects of her on display it is truly just a fun adventure movie and so because it doesn't go deeply into that complexity of the character it, it can't reach like exceptional heights but it is outstanding for what it is trying to do i did not like the choice of the batwoman's voice actress her name is stephanie beatriz i think her voice is fine don't get me wrong. I just don't, it doesn't work for me as Batwoman. Or I should say maybe it doesn't work for me as Kate. 
when she shows up as Kate, the way her character is animated, it just, the voice does not jive with the face and the look of the character to me. And I felt that it was off in, in some way. Whereas I felt like Liz Gillies as both Catwoman and Selena Kyle was spot on. And it just, the sound matched out, you know, really well with what I was seeing on screen. And that didn't work for me with Kate slash Batwoman. So it was kind of a bummer on that end. And then it can be a little overwhelming. There are so many villains in, in this movie and they're little minions that they bring into play. And there's just a lot of them. And when you do that, you don't really dive into their characters either. They're just kind of a slew of, you know, challenges for Selena to face. So it's fun because you get to see a few different kind of powers animated and different styles of fighting on screen, but maybe pare that down. There might've been a few too many, in my opinion. Now on the special features for this disc release, which is what I'm reviewing, there are two different featurettes. One is called When the Hunter Becomes the Hunted, and this is basically all about this film and this interpretation of Selena Kyle, and I really liked it. It talked a lot about how they focused on the complexity of Catwoman and how she differs from traditional villains, like I was talking about how she lives in that gray area, and about how she's very untrustworthy, but she's a strong, independent woman, and that they really wanted to make sure that that showed through in this animated film. And I think that it does. So this one, I can't recall how long it is. I want to say it's probably maybe 15 minutes long, maybe 20 at the most, but it's a, a very nice little featurette that I appreciated. And I thought was helpful to, to kind of learn and get their perspective on what they were going for with the style of this movie being anime. And then also the character and what they wanted us to get out of it. The second, however, is exceptional. It's called Catwoman, the Feline Femme Fatale. And this is a documentary on Catwoman's history. Now, I'm a big Catwoman fan. I wouldn't call her my favorite villain because I don't really think of her as a villain, but she's obviously important to Batman, who is my favorite DC superhero, my favorite superhero of all time, in fact. So I love her. I love her sexiness. I love her moral ambiguity and what she brings to the table as this incredibly very unpredictable force in Batman's life. And I guess I can relate with the feeling of kind of wanting someone that maybe isn't always going to be the best for you at times, but boy, when it's good, it's good. And I think that this documentary nails the history of her. And I learned so much from it. It's a retrospective on the character going all the way back to when the character came about. It features interviews and conversation with the creators of the character, as well as all of the women who have played her throughout live action and animated versions of this character. It's fantastic. It's so in-depth and thorough, and I really, really recommend it to anyone. Also, real quick, Anne Hathaway forever. Don't fight me. You know I'm right. This documentary not only is on this disc release set, but if you don't pick this up and you want to check out the documentary, if you're a Catwoman fan, you can find it right now on HBO Max. It's actually listed as an extra beneath the Halle Berry Catwoman movie. So go to the Catwoman movie with Halle Berry. Don't watch it. It's bad. 
But underneath it, it'll be like extras, and there's this 40-minute documentary on Catwoman, and you can watch it there. You can stream it if you have that service. Shout out to Josh Berkey of the Victims and Villains podcast for bringing that to my attention. This will be available on 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray Combo Pack on February the 8th, as well as available on digital video on demand for you to purchase, I believe. Am I feeling it? Absolutely. 100% feeling it. I think this is a great film. It's one that I would recommend a blind buy because you usually can't rent these right away. I think it's worth the money. I think owning it, you're going to probably watch it multiple times. I know I am going to. I can't say that for every DC animated film. I love this line of movies in general, but there have been some duds. Recently, it's kind of been hit and miss. There's been a really good one and a really bad one each year, and or a couple bad ones and one good one. And this is on the better side of some of the stuff they've put out in a long time. And I hope that it's the start of a new trend. I would love to see not only more single character focused stories like this one for various DC superheroes and villains, but I would love to see more of those documentaries done as well for their characters. So yes, big two paws up for Catwoman Hunted. Four paws up, in fact. The second film we have to talk about is Death on the Nile from Walt Disney Studios. This is the sequel to Murder on the Orient Express. It stars Kenneth Branagh, Tom Bateman, Annette Bening, Russell Brand, Ali Fazal, Don French, Gal Gadot, Army Hammer, Rose Leslie, Emma Mackey, Sophie Okonedo, Jennifer Saunders, and Letitia Wright. It's directed by Kenneth Branagh and is written by Michael Green, based on the Agatha Christie novel of the same name. What is it about? Belgian sleuth Hercule Poirot's Egyptian vacation aboard a glamorous river steamer turns into a terrifying search for a murderer when a picture-perfect couple's idyllic honeymoon is tragically cut short. Set against an epic landscape of sweeping desert vistas and the majestic Giza pyramids, this tale of unbridled passion and incapacitating jealousy features a cosmopolitan group of impeccably dressed travelers and enough wicked twists and turns to leave audiences guessing until the final shocking denouement. First of all, I'm going to set the stage here. I did not love Murder on the Orient Express from Kenneth Branagh. thought it was fine. I was a little let down. I didn't know the story going into it. I thought it was an interesting reveal of what ended up happening in that movie, who the killer was. And yet something just did not work. The cinematography was great for me, but the cast was almost too good. It was almost too star-studied, in my opinion. This movie was a huge step up for me and my personal taste. One important thing that I have to tell you, and this isn't a spoiler because I'm not going to tell you the specifics, but there is a mustache origin story. So if you, like me, are obsessed with Hercule Poirot's awesome mustache, you get to learn more about it in this movie, and that is a huge plus. I gotta say, welcome to stardom, Emma Mackey. Emma Mackey plays a character named Jacqueline de Belfort, and she is the most captivating character and actress in the film to me. I thought that we get to go through a whole different slate of emotional places for this character, and I think that she nails every single one of them so well, especially performing against largely much bigger stars. I didn't know who she was, and I was like, she's the one that's getting my attention on the screen 
when she's with Army Hammer, when she's with Gal Gadot, and that says a lot to me. Overall, the strong cast in general is another big plus. I, like I said, instead of being highly recognizable stars, to me there's a great balance here of recognizable and also new. And that helps some of them to kind of blend in better and not be so distracting. So you're not always looking for this bombastic, over-the-top performance. It just created a better blend, in my opinion. What I love probably the most about this is that we get to dive into Poirot's backstory. We learn about his past some, and the movie really digs into kind of examining his character more and why he is so challenged with some unexpected emotional stuff that he's got to deal with and reckon with and why not everyone enjoys him being the hotshot in the room. So he's goes through some stuff in this movie and I thought it was much better than just having him come in and be this outside force that is doing nothing but solving the mystery. He has to deal with personal issues and is not perfect. And I liked that a lot. It made him much more lived in feeling to me, much more realistic. And yes, he has this incredible talent, but he has flaws. And so getting to see that on display made this just for a much better overall story. The the movie itself, like the plot, it, it has an excellent blend of drama, mystery, humor, and also a little bit of action. There's more going on here than just a single murder being solved. So there are some other twists and turns that are pretty exciting. And there's some progressive characters and situations that are part of the events. And I thought that that was refreshing as well. Personally, I actually was able to deduce the main plots, you know, who done it aspect of it. I figured out who the murderer was during about the middle of the movie. There was a moment where I was very clear that it had to be this thing. And I ended up being correct. But there were more surprises to be had later on. And that's another positive thing for this film is that even if you figure it out, it's an enjoyable ride getting to the end and waiting until that gets revealed. Where some movies, if you figure them out, it's almost like you just want to check out mentally. That wasn't the case here. And part of that is also because Brana always brings a strong cinematographer to his work, and Haris uh, Zembar Lukos, who was the cinematographer for this film, does a phenomenal job. It's so glossy and just beautiful. And it really echoes the decadence of the characters almost over the top nature of that in a way that is kind of gross but still beautiful i love the egyptian locale and some of the camera shots there are multiple just awesome looking moments and quick scenes i also really like how the editing worked Uh, the characters are shot in such a way that i fully believe if i was to go back and watch this i would look at a character's reaction to a certain moment of dialogue or the way a character expressed themselves, and I would be able to read it entirely different knowing the end results of the film and what that character kind of, once I get into that person's history and we learn about who they are, because that's part of what these movies are all about, is you get all these people together and you have to kind of get their individual stories. Once you realize what's going on, You see these early interactions that they had. And for me, great storytelling, great movie making is when it still 
works seeing it the second time you kind of pick something up and you're like oh that's why that person was having a smirk originally i thought they were smirking for for reason x but now that i know the truth they're really smirking for reason y this movie had that in spades and i thought that that was a a brilliant thing on the dislike side not a lot but gal gadot doesn't work for me so I have always loved her as Giselle in the Fast and the Furious series, and I think that she's great as Wonder Woman. However, I think that she is lacking the dramatic acting chops to be a leading lady, and it showed here for me. She looks great. She's got the sex appeal. She carries herself with the air of someone that has the money like she does in this film, but I just don't think she sold me on the character. I I feel like when she's overshadowed by an actress I've never heard of before, that that's a problem. And I found myself drawn to the portrayals of almost every single character more so than her. She also speaks almost perfect English, American English in the opening scene. They're in London. And then she goes into her normal voice, which is not British. And yet her character is British. And I just don't quite get what is going on here with that. It was a bit odd for me. Like, I just felt inconsistent. Also speaking to maybe, I don't necessarily think she's the best actress. She kind of has one note about her. And yeah, so I think she's glamorous and alluring, but I was way more smitten and way more over-the-top seduced by the way that the character is portrayed. Her character is portrayed by Emma Mackey. Sorry. Army Hammer, also, he's okay. He's fine. I don't think he's bad, and I know people are going to probably cancel him and cancel the movie for his personal issues. I'm not that person, so sorry. I think he's does a good job in this movie, and I've enjoyed him in a lot of movies. But I just thought it was kind of interesting to me that probably the two biggest stars, the the two people who are after Brana, going to be right there first and second or second and third on the poster are Gal Gadot and Army Hammer. And they are the least interesting performances and the least interesting characters in the whole movie to me. So, you know, maybe that's by design. I, I don't know. But it was something that definitely stood out. This will be available in theaters on February the 11th. Am I feeling it? Absolutely. Go see this movie. It's about two hours flat. Perfect length. It moves along at a great pace. Lots of little reveals happening to keep you engaged. It's really, really fun. And I enjoyed it a lot. I'm excited to see where some of these other cast members that I wasn't familiar with go in the future. What movies they make. I'll be tracking their careers. So I highly recommend it, and it left me wanting more now that I've gotten a much better connection and feel for Poirot as a character. I want to see more of these books adapted and go find out what happens, because I won't read them. I love the feeling of going into one of these films, a mystery movie, and not knowing the result. It's just great, because when you get it, you get it only get that once, that one-time experience, and I'd rather have it in film than in the book. And so, yeah, hopefully more Agatha Christie novels will be adapted by Kenneth Branagh because I think he's finally cracked, after two movies now, what the right tone and way to go about these is. And yeah, bring it on. 
Well, that's it for this week on FF Plus. Hopefully one of these movies has caught your attention. If you do get out and check either one out, please let me know. I would love to hear what you think. You can always find me on social channels like Twitter, at Feelin' Film. You can find me on Letterboxd. You can find me in the Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group. All those links are in the show notes below. You can also find us on Repod, a new podcast app that we are a big supporter of. We can build a community there. You can actually talk to the hosts. There's a great little chat feature where you can comment on the episodes. We'd love to hear your thoughts there as well. And a link to that is in the show notes. If you do have an opportunity to review the show, we'd love your five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. It helps promote us, helps others to find us, and be encouraged to check us out. As always, I will be back soon, in fact later this week, with another couple of films that are releasing on Friday as well, just have later embargoes, but I'll be bringing those to you soon. So keep watching, and keep feeling film. Thank you.